Father, we ask that you would give us your wisdom, that you would guide us through this life, that we would live for your praise. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever been sitting in the house and out of the corner of your eye you spot something flying along the skirting board? Or maybe you're lying in bed and you hear a little bit of scraping and scratching up in the attic, the patter of teeny tiny feet going along the rafters. Whenever you have a mouse loose in the house, then you need to set a trap or two. And lots of people have different ideas about what the best thing to put in the mouse trap is, um, whether it's peanut butter or Mars bar or dairy milk, or you can tell me afterwards what the best thing is that you have found. Uh, We'll compare notes. But the idea, no matter what you use, the idea is always the same. There's something sweet that the mouse will be attracted to, and it comes and it enjoys the little bit of something nice, but in that moment... It meets its maker. Put yourself in the mouse's shoes for a moment. Now I don't know if mice wear shoes or if they don't, but they'd be very small if they did. But put yourself in the mouse's shoes. You're running about quite happy, invading someone's home. You smell the tasty treat. You you want to enjoy it. But actually it brings about your downfall. Something sweet leads to your demise. Something nice leads to death. That's the picture that Proverbs paints of adultery. Look at uh, chapter 5 and verse 3. And I know it's a little bit complicated with the extra page in the middle as to where it is. But chapter 5 and verse 3. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey. And her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end she is bitter as wormwood. Sharp as a two-edged sword. Do you hear the contrast in those words. Her, uh, she has honey lips and uh, sweet, uh, smooth, oily words. But if you're caught, then in the end, she's bitter and sharp. Now it says there the forbidden woman, but ladies, this could be just as easily the forbidden man. So you're not off the hook tonight. 
You see, we're still in the early chapters of Proverbs where Solomon is speaking to his son. He's passing on wisdom for life. He's uh, teaching and training his son how to live, what to do and what not to do. Over the course of three chapters, Solomon addresses the issue of relationships and especially adultery, urging his son to stay away from the forbidden woman. There is wisdom here for us as we seek to live out God's way, whether we are single or married. In a day when the crowds flock to read and now watch Fifty Shades of Grey. As TV adverts and, and TV programs push the boundaries of what is acceptable and decent. We need to know what God's wisdom says about relationships. About marriage and singleness. Here in Proverbs chapters 5 to 7. It's clear that God wants faithfulness in marriage and celibacy in singleness. The warnings come from the outset. We've already seen the, the, the sweet, smooth trap of the forbidden woman's lips. But to follow her, verses 5 and 6, to pursue her is to follow the path to Sheol, the place of the dead, rather than the path of life. You see, she doesn't, she's not interested in the path of life. She, she's not on it. She's on the highway to hell, to quote a, a, a song. It's as if there's a fork in the road. The signpost is in front of you, to life or to death. Are you going to follow her to Sheol, or are you going to follow the Lord? Because of that, Solomon warns his son to stay away from her. Don't go near her. And in chapter 7, our, our second reading, that we have a worked out example of the dangers of heading towards her. From his window, uh, Solomon watches and sees a young man lacking sense. But it's not just young men who lack sense. Any of us could do the same. But this young man, anyway, he uh, goes along her road. He just happens to be passing by whenever she pounces. It's as if he is overwhelmed that, that she wants him, that she kisses him, that, that she speaks to him. And she begins that long speech about how that she is ready, her bed is ready, her husband is away on a long journey, there's no danger, you won't be caught, it'll be fun, come on ahead. What's the worst could happen? The seductive speech and the, the smooth talk persuades him and compels him. The Mars bar is tasty, but it's still in the mouse trap. And then at the, at towards the end of that reading, do you see 
uh, the three pictures that are used. The ox to the slaughter as he follows her in verse 22. The stag caught fast until the arrow pierces its liver. The bird in the snare. You see, each of those pictures, they, they, they can't see what's ahead. They, they can't see the consequences of what's happening. Just caught up in the moment. And he is well and truly caught. Chapter 6, uh, which we didn't read because the readings were quite long. Chapter 6 asks, Can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? You see, the danger is there. Inherent in what uh, you're doing. Back in chapter 5, Solomon asks, Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? It's a question that Solomon would have needed to ask himself. You see, for all Solomon's wisdom, for all Solomon's understanding, he himself was caught in the same trap having written these words to his son having warned his son of the danger Solomon was caught in the same trap Dale Ralph Davis is an Old Testament lecturer and he's written quite a few commentaries on books of the Bible and he called his commentary on 1st Kings the wisdom and the folly. The wisdom and the folly. Because in First Kings we have uh, the record of Solomon's reign. Early on, uh, chapter 3, when he takes over uh, from his father David, God appears to him in a dream and says, Solomon, what would you like? I will give you whatever you want. <coughs> now, just think about that for a moment. God appears to you. He says, I'll give you whatever you want. You've just became king. You can ask for wealth. You can ask for fame. You can ask for victory in war. But Solomon asks for wisdom. So that he can rule rightly. And God is pleased. And so he gives him wisdom. But he also gives him wealth and prosperity and fame and uh, victory over enemies and all the rest so Solomon builds the temple Solomon builds his royal palace and everything is great the queen of Sheba uh, the queen of the south who we heard about the other week in Luke uh, came to visit Solomon because she had heard a report of his wisdom and she said how blessed your servants are to stand in your presence and to hear your wisdom And right up to chapter 10, it's a great picture of of how brilliant Israel is under Solomon's reign. 
the folly begins in chapter 11 and verse 1. And it says this. Now King Solomon loved many foreign women. Along with the daughter of Pharaoh. He loved so many foreign women that he ended up with 700 wives and 300 concubines. Dealing with one mother and lost quite enough, let alone a thousand. But those wives and concubines turned his heart away from the God of Israel. For someone who was so wise, it was sex that led him astray. He warned others of the trap, and he got caught himself. And Jesus heightens the command. You see, the command. Uh, is there in the Ten Commandments, do not commit adultery. But Jesus heightens it so that to even look with lust is to commit adultery in the heart. The standard is greater. The traps are all around us. Virtually everywhere we look is a minefield. The newspapers, the TV, uh, internet, social media, even as we walk around. Always before us are paths to life or paths to death. And as uh, 5.21 tells us, for a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord and he ponders all his paths. Every choice we make, the Lord sees and the Lord knows. Every step we take towards the trap or away from the trap, the Lord is aware. There's a verse in Second uh, Timothy chapter 2 verse 22. Where Paul warns about dangers, but he doesn't leave it there. He says, so flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace. Along with all those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. The answer is to flee from those passions and those sins. Which Solomon had been telling us to do. But we also need to pursue righteousness and faith and peace and and love. And Solomon tells us that too. First of all, he puts it in picture form. Towards the end of chapter 5. Verse 15. He says, drink water from your own sister. Flowing water from your own well. 
But then he gets to the idea itself. He says, verse 18, Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. Don't be intoxicated by forbidden ones, ones who are not yours. Be intoxicated by your wife or your husband. And the Song of Solomon uh, expands that uh, because it's all about that deep love between husband and wife. There, uh, the descriptions of love are, are even greater, uh, even more than uh, verse 19. Uh, where he speaks of uh, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. And see, don't be caught up in anyone else. Be caught up in your own. A preacher at a at minister's conference put it like this one time he said why would I want a cheap and nasty Big Mac meal when I have steak and chips at home nothing else would satisfy now some of you might be saying well that's okay for those who are married but all of us have at some stage of our lives is single. Some of us end up at being single again. What about us? Well, the warnings remain. The senseless look, uh, senseless, that's hard to say, the senseless youth in chapter 7 that is single. But there is still a husband to delight in. You see, the Bible makes it clear that every marriage, even the best of marriages, is only temporary. The vow made on your wedding day was till death us to part. And as Paul teaches in Ephesians, marriage, earthly marriage, is a picture of the relationship between Christ and his bride, the church. You see, that is the only marriage in heaven. And if we are in Christ, then we're part of that. We're joined with him forever. In that sense then, each of us is called to love and delight in our husband. To take joy in our relationship with the Lord Jesus. And to be faithful <coughs> to him. You see, he came to save us. By living the perfect life. He never sinned. Not even in the realm of sexuality. He never looked lustfully at a woman. 
He was pure and faithful. And he did that for us. For our sins. And our failings. He came to give us grace for those times when we know in the past that we have messed up. He came to give us grace for those times in the future when we will still mess up. He came to divert us from the path to Sheol and set us on the path of life. At the end of chapter 5, if the iniquities of the wicked have ensnared us, if the cords of our sin hold us fast, Jesus came to loose us from our sins. To free us. So that we can live for him. As Paul writes to the Corinthians. You are not your own. For you were bought with a price. So honour God. In your body. Each of us, whether at this point in time we are single or married, each of us belong to God. We have been bought by Him. So by His grace, let's be aware of the sweetness of the trap and avoid it. As we seek to live out his wisdom. And walk in his ways. Let's pray. Lord God we thank you that the fountain. uh, That the fear of the Lord is a fountain of wisdom. We pray that you would help us to walk in the fear of you. That we would know your presence with us. That we would find your grace and mercy to help in time of need. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.